This is the Breaking Labels Podcast, and I'm Rosanna Gill. Each episode, we'll discuss labels that have confined the stories of my guests at one point or another and their journeys to thrive beyond them. Some labels are external, and others we put on ourselves as limiting beliefs. But regardless of where the label comes from, we're here to break it because we were meant for so much more. So as you listen to this week's episode, you might hear me refer to being live um, a couple times, and that is because I actually decided to record this week's episode by going live on Facebook and YouTube. So you are more than welcome to go check out this episode on my Facebook page or on YouTube. That is an option for you as well. So just giving you a heads up as you hear me reference it during the podcast. What I wanted to talk about this week, and it's playing small. Now, before I jump into the episode and talking about playing small, I did want to let you know about our partner for the week, which is Candid Aligners. And if you are watching on live right now, I'm wearing my candid aligners because I've had some crowding that happened and some shifting that happened with my teeth in the last few years. I've wanted to get it fixed for a while and then finally decided to go for it. Now, I tried another brand of aligners a few years ago. The pain was a little bit more than I expected, and I didn't like that I couldn't drink anything besides water when I was wearing my aligners. So I'm going to show you, if you're watching this on live and if you're just listening to this on the podcast, sorry, you're not going to get the benefit of seeing this. But you can go watch this episode on YouTube if you want to see it there. This is my gallon of water that I drink or try to drink every day. And if you'll notice, I'm towards the bottom of the day because I am so hydrated. And it's purple because I have great flavored BCAs in this bad boy. Look at me. Drinking a color drink with my candid aligners. So just proof. I talk about it on the last few episodes, but so now you got to see that I do indeed drink all the colored drinks and still wear my candid aligners. And you can too. If it's something that you're curious about, if you look in the show notes of the podcast episode, so if you're watching this on live, you're going to have to actually, if you look at the last couple episodes of this, the um, podcast, the link for Candid is in all of those notes. So you can go there, schedule a consultation. That is the only time you have to do it in person because when you get your aligners, you get this handy dandy scanner thing that's actually pretty cool. And you just take scans of your own teeth every two weeks when it's time to switch in new aligners. And then an orthodontist will review the scans and let you know if you need to stay with that pair for another week or you can move on to the next ones. So pretty cool setup. Highly recommend them. And if you use the link in the show notes, then you will get $250 off your aligners. What, what? Okay. So with that being said, let's jump into this episode because I gotta tell you, I'm excited to talk about this because it's something that I just had this epiphany the other day and I was like, oh man, we need to talk about this because it is something that I see all the time. And it is people playing small. And it's interesting to me, the dynamics of how we play small, depending on the relationship, right? It's not usually one singular way that we play small. It's, it comes out in different ways. So let's start with family. Maybe your version of playing small is not setting boundaries with family members. 
maybe your version of playing small is even when you have a joke to make in at a family gathering and your spouse is being overpowering, you just stay quiet and you just figure out oh, it's not my place to, to be funny. That's their job. That's their thing. It's not mine. I can't be that. You're playing small, my friend. Let's say mm, that instead of prioritizing your own goals and things that you want to do for yourself, you are everybody's caretaker. You don't have time to pursue your own goals because you're so busy taking care of everyone else. One, I admire that you take care of people. That's wonderful, but not at the risk of you not showing up for yourself. And I think sometimes as women, we kind of use other people's needs as an excuse not to put ourselves out there. Brene Brown has this amazing talk where she calls it engineering smallness. It is really easy to engineer smallness for you for yourself and to justify it by putting everybody else before yourself. That's whether it's your kids, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your parents. And I'm not saying don't show up for them, don't be there for them, but also don't use them as an excuse to not do the thing that you know you're called to do. Now, maybe for you, you're not called to do something right now. Maybe for right now, you are called to be a stay-at-home mom. Please understand, I am not criticizing that. But I know a lot of stay-at-home moms who still pursue things they love. If you want to listen to one, you should... Oh, I can't remember the episode number, number. but uh, People Pleaser, my conversation with Stephanie Mahoney, you should go listen to that because that's a stay-at-home mom who's still going for her dreams. Please do not think that just because you are a stay-at-home mom... You do not deserve to show up for yourself. And if you don't, then you are playing small. And it's so easy, right? That's an easy one where you can justify it and people won't question it. But you know, you always know in your heart of hearts because there's always this tug in the quiet moments where you are not so busy, when everybody's gone to bed and you're there alone, maybe you're just scrolling on Instagram. There is a voice that's tugging. There's a little nudge inside of you saying, I would really love to do this for myself. There's this thing I've wanted to do and I just, no, no, no. I have too much going on. I have to be this for so many other people. Okay. If I hear another woman talk about all the things she has to do in COVID and she has a partner, I'm going to ask, well, what is he doing? This blows my mind. Never ceases to amaze me when I hear all the things that the women do. And I'm like, well, what is... Why is there no way that your your partner could possibly find a way to feed your family instead of it always being on you? I'm not saying he has to cook because it wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be cooking, but he could still find a way to feed the kids. Oh, there's so much laundry. Somebody has to do the laundry. Is is your is your partner not capable of doing laundry as well? Are your children old enough where they can start doing their own daggum laundry or helping with it? Just planting a couple seeds. If you feel any defense, any defense when I say these things, then you can come at me, but also maybe ask yourself if you might feel a little bit of like an urge to defend yourself because you know there's an element of truth. Also going to put that out there because sometimes the things that I have been the most defensive about were the ones that really got me in my gut. So I'll just leave that there. Another way you could be playing small. And this one was one that hit me, again, while doing the work on myself. I have been 125 pounds once in my adult life. 
just once, <laughs> literally for a few days, because I got to that weight for my 25th birthday, literally by having two shakes a day and like a salad for dinner, got to my goal, um, promptly ate an entire thing of Chips Ahoy chewy chocolate chips on my birthday. Um, so I never saw 125 again, but I got to it for that birthday. I did stay smaller, like let's say between 128 and 132 for a little while. Can I tell you, I was not prepared for how uncomfortable I would feel when other women would make comments about how small I was. Keep it, keep in mind at the time I worked in outside sales and it's interesting, right? Well, people will make, you know, they'll compliment, oh my God, you look so great. And then a lot of times they'll then put themselves down if they're women, like, oh, I, I just can't, I, you know, I hate my body. I, you're so cute. You're so young. You're so tiny. And I felt so uncomfortable because my job, my role in relationships and friendships and anything had never been to be the cute, pretty one or the skinny one. I'd always been the overweight one. I didn't know how to take this. And I I would feel so uncomfortable. And anytime I would cold call and at this smaller size, like a woman would make a comment about, oh, you're so pretty. And it was one of those, like, it's a compliment, but it doesn't feel like it's a compliment. I started wearing my glasses more when I was cold calling, when I was my smaller size, because I started noticing if I wore glasses, I was slightly less threatening to the women. That was me playing small. I'm going to tell you right now, Whatever your goal weight is, understand that when you get there, if you get there, if it's necessary for you to even get to that number, whatever it might be, and a woman makes a comment about your size, it is not for you to feel bad about that. I'm going to tell you what I wish somebody had told me. You be proud of yourself. You did whatever you needed to do to get to that size. If somebody is uncomfortable in their own skin, that's on them. It is not on you. But coming from somebody who always thought her role was to people please, was always there to uplift other people, I didn't know how to do it for myself. So the moment somebody I sensed felt uncomfortable around me, I felt like I needed to make myself smaller. And not physically, because I'd already lost weight, but I needed to make, I needed to make a self-deprecating joke. I needed to do something so they would feel better about themselves and so I wouldn't feel like a threat to them. Now, were any of those ladies consciously doing that to make me feel bad? Not at all. I don't believe it. I don't think a, one of them had any malintent in what they were saying. But I use that as an excuse to play small. I don't think it's a coincidence that little by little, I gained that weight back over the over time. And I would purposely wear larger clothes so that I didn't look my size and so that I wouldn't make other people uncomfortable. That is a major engineering of smallness. Okay. It's another example. Um, in friendships, I talked about this a lot in my very first episode of the podcast where I talked about, you know, how I, my label was the pretty girl sidekick and playing small in a friendship can look like it will look like a lot of different things for different people. But from my experience, it looked like putting myself down and just saying, well, it's my friend's job to be the pretty one. It's my friend's job to be the flirt. Like, that's just not me. Guys don't like me like they like them. Like, you know, you only like me if you like thick girls or funny girls or not naturally pretty girls. Like all these things I would say to myself, maybe even to my friends, but 
again, engineering smallness. And another way I did that was to drop everything every single time. One of my friends had an emergency. And I, if you're watching, or excuse me, if you're listening to this after the fact on the podcast, you can't see me doing air quotes. But when I say emergency, I don't mean like somebody's gone to the hospital and needs your support. Like, yo, I'm dropping everything for you then. But I mean, like every time they got in a fight with the boyfriend that they fought with five times a week anyway, and expected me to drop everything. And you know what? I did. I have to be available. I have, that's what it means to be a good friend. Smallness, engineering smallness, because all the times that I was breaking my neck to be there for them, how was I showing up for myself? Where was I in that? They didn't need me. They wanted someone to emotionally dump, but it wasn't about me. It was never about me as a person so much as just being a container for their drama. And if you are in your role, if you find yourself in that position now, I'm going to I'm going to say this from a place of love. You are engineering smallness. You are playing small. It is easier for you to show up for them, to show up for the drama in their lives than to show up for yourself. And I cannot encourage you enough to find a way to show up for yourself. You don't have to do it overnight. That's what I used to always think like, oh, I have to make these massive shifts overnight and and it's got to be like this big makeover, right? Because that's, I loved Biggest Loser. I loved these makeover shows, uh, What Not to Wear, right? Where you have like in an hour, you see these incredible transformations. That's not life, man. And the changes that have stuck with me the longest were the small ones. The small ones that, to be honest, I didn't even realize I was making in the moment. And it wasn't something I didn't even think about, which was great because it was small enough and easy enough that I stuck with it. So for me, one of the ways I stopped playing small was when I realized I was really having a hard time at work with my presentations. Like I just felt like if I put more time into it, I, I, I would be better, right? I needed to improve my skills. And I noticed though that on the weekends, I still had the same habit as I'd had growing up, which was numbing in front of the TV. I would sit and watch TV for hours. And it got to a point where I was like, financially, do I really need to be spending the money on cable if things are kind of tight? And aren't there probably better things I could be doing with my time than watching reality TV? And here's the thing. If I was one of those people like my dad who would watch History Channel for, front, for fun, I probably wouldn't cancel my cable because I'd be like, oh, you know what? This is informational. This is valuable. <laughs> what told me it was time to cancel my cable, like which confirmed this, was I had been listening to a lot of books and they were talking about, you know, being very cognizant and very intentional with what you what you absorb, basically. And then I uh, I was at a meeting and I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I was at a meeting and somebody said, isn't it so sad that people know exactly like play by play what's happening with the Kardashians right now, but they don't know what's happening with so-and-so. And I had to Google who so-and-so was because I didn't know who they were. And it turns out they were a very important person in our government. And I was like, oh God, I'm that person. I know exactly what's going on between Chloe, Courtney, and Kim, but I don't, I don't even know about my own government. Here's the thing. I stop. I also don't watch the news. So there are a lot of times where I don't know what's going on in current events either. However, the issue was I thought a lot that night about what they said. 
And the other thing I thought about is, man, every season, these Kardashians seem to be getting richer and richer. And all this time, am I helping them get richer by watching them live their lives? Like, I am spending my life watching them live theirs as they get more and more wealthy. At that point, it was not like I really cared to be Kardashian rich, but hell, I wanted to be doing better than I was. So I canceled my cable. Cold turkey, I canceled it. And I have never had it since. That was, at this point, I think over 10 years ago. So yeah, that for me, a step in stopping playing small was to cancel my cable and to invest that time in improving my skills, to invest that time in just myself and not in watching other people live their life. And maybe that's not how you play small. Maybe for you, watching reality TV is a form of decompression. Listen, I'm not knocking that. Sometimes you need that time where you can just zone out. I absolutely get it. But if you get to a point where you have some goals and you don't seem to be hitting them, and you're like, oh, I don't have enough time, but you're watching reality TV for, let's let's just go big, let's say more than 10 hours a week, you might be numbing with that for one. So there's probably some other things that you're just avoiding feeling. But two, that could be a way that you're playing small. And my friend, you are meant for so much more than that. Okay, so another way that you could be playing small in your career. So it doesn't have to be improving your skill set. It could be the career that you've chosen. What was interesting to me when I was thinking about this episode and just the different ways that I've played small over the years, I went to college. Understand, I picked Flagler College because they had a great communications department. And let's be real, I wanted to get out of South Carolina. I I wanted to go out to school out of state. Um, I didn't think that NYU would accept me, so I didn't even bother applying, even though that was actually my dream school. I did, I think, USC Columbia and Flagler, and that was it. And I went to Flagler with the intention that I'm going to be the next Oprah. I wanted to be in front of the camera. But when I went there, I heard them talk about public relations. I thought, oh, that sounds sounds interesting. And I took my first public relations course, and it was PR 101. And it was the first time that I could remember that something felt like common sense. Because I had always been a mediator. I just naturally was a mediator. I was always really good at seeing people's different perspectives and helping them find a middle ground. And that's essentially what public relations is. That's essentially what sales is. I just fell into that naturally. So when I took my first public relations 101 course, I was like, I've been doing this all along. This is great. And I got to be honest, it was really nice for something to feel easy. Because for me, high school, I was in this program called International Baccalaureate. I mean, I went through most of high school with like my mouth open and like a dunce cap. Like, I don't understand why none of this makes sense. I remember sitting in freaking AP Calc in my senior year of high school. And it got to the point where my teacher, Ms. Belger, I didn't even have to ask a question. She would know by the look on my face. She'd be like, where'd I lose your Rosanna? And I'm like, I don't know. 20 minutes ago. I got nothing. I I don't understand what we're talking about. I have... So I just had very low confidence in my intelligence in high school. Say all that. That's enough. That's enough, right? I don't have to go on and on about that. So fast forward to college and I'm in my first public relations course and I'm like, wow, this is great. I'm a natural at this. I've never been a natural at anything. Even when I did art, 
I was pretty good at it, but I wasn't the best. And I felt like I was really great at PR. And when I realized that the broadcast part, right, the part that I would need to major in in order to be the next Oprah involved tech, I had this story that I was not smart enough for tech. I wasn't good enough with tech, couldn't figure it out, nothing. Even though I actually had a, a video editing class that I loved, I was actually really pretty good at it because I was very focused. Like I just had a good attention to detail, but I still, in my mind was like, no, I'm not good enough for that. So I took the route that was easiest for me and what felt the most natural. And that was public relations. And I didn't follow through on any of the journalism courses. I didn't pursue the, I'm going to be the next Oprah. Not that I didn't still have that dream a little bit, but I was just like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not a tech person. That's what you have to be. So it is what it is. And in that moment, I chose to play small. I chose to be comfortable and go down the route that felt the most comfortable in the moment, as opposed to going for what I really wanted. Now, do I regret it? No. I worked for 12 years for a great company. I worked with some amazing people. I learned from some amazing people who I'm still friends with. I don't regret it. But in hindsight, I absolutely see that that was me playing small. That was me choosing what was comfortable in the moment over what I ultimately wanted. And how often do we do that? Sometimes we do it so much that we don't even notice it until it's so late. It's until it's late. Until you wake up one day and you think, how did I get here? This was not where I wanted to be. This is not where I wanted to go. And yet, I ended up here by tiny decisions, by tiny negotiations with myself by tiny compromises that felt minuscule, insignificant in the moment. And those compromises compound until one day you wake up and you think, I never intended to be here. This was not the goal. This was not the dream. It's just the one I fell into because I kept making choices that were comfortable in the moment. I really hope that this is resonating with someone. I really hope that if you are doing that right now, if there is something that you are not going for right now because you're more focused on doing what's comfortable right now, please know the only thing that you are delaying is the moment that you have a reckoning with yourself. That's it. You're delaying that moment more and more. You're kicking that can further and further down the road but at some point you are going to have that. And I have heard, I can't tell you how many times the saying of, you know, on your deathbed, you're not going to regret the things you did. You're going to regret the things that you didn't do. And it's, you almost hear it so much that you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's true. You know, it's true. You know why I think we all know it's true is because we all went through a pandemic in the last year and a half. And if you didn't lose someone personally, you know someone who did. And it's, it's, it was a tough year and a half. You know what also was really tough for a lot of people was being home and not being as busy. Because when you're not as busy, you have a lot more time to think about the things 
that you wish were different. I'm not surprised we're having the great resignation right now. I'm not surprised people are leaving their jobs in record numbers. And I'm not knocking their current employers. I think it's an amazing thing where there is this awakening for the, at the risk of sounding overdramatic of people saying, oh my God, this isn't the life I wanted. I don't know what compromises got me here, but this is not the life I wanted. And I think that you are seeing record numbers of people realizing that they've been playing small. And isn't it amazing that record numbers of people are trying to find a way to stop playing small? So whatever your situation may be, whether you're playing small with your partner by constantly deferring to them or not asking them to show up in the relationship to the extent that you do, whether you're playing small in your career, playing small with your friends, playing small with strangers like I did by making a self-deprecating joke every time somebody gives you a compliment or you can tell that your presence makes them uncomfortable. Stop. And just ask yourself, how can I play big today? Instead of making a self-deprecating joke when somebody gives you a compliment, just say thank you. Can I tell you that is really hard for me sometimes? Like I have to like say thank you and shut my mouth and like pretend it's wired shut because my habit brain wants to make a self-deprecating joke. Now I just thank you. And I have to sit with the awkwardness because I know at some point it won't be awkward and I will be able to receive a freaking compliment. And maybe now you're going to have to set some limits and some boundaries with friends and say, listen, it's not that I don't value our friendship, but I'm making some changes and I have to prioritize some goals of mine. And that means that I'm not going to be as available every single time you need to complain about your boyfriend. Okay, maybe you don't have to be that specific, but you still have the right, if you're not playing small, to tell that friend, I'm not as available. I just hope that after this episode, you find a way, one, that you've been playing small, and two, how you can stop because you deserve to show up for your life. You deserve to show up for the people in your life. And if you are a mom, you better show your kids what it looks like to not play small. Because you can tell them all you want. Be confident. Go for your dreams. Do all the things. And if all they ever see is you sacrificing your dreams for everybody else and an errand that doesn't really need to be run, what do you think they're actually going to do? They're not going to listen to a word you say, but they're going to watch everything you do. So here are a few questions that I want you to ask yourself if you think that maybe you have been playing small. And these are great journal prompts for you to dig a little bit deeper if this podcast episode has resonated with you thus far. Who have you been protecting by playing small? Who has benefited from you dimming your light? Who have you sensed feeling threatened by your looks or by your presence? Who have you deferred to so they could be the smartest, prettiest, talented focus of the conversation? What relationships are you protecting by not stepping into your truth and by playing small? 
Who are you protecting by not being all that you know in your heart you were called to be? If any of those questions hit a chord, then please take this as a sign that one, you've been playing small, and two, it's time to stop. I hope this episode helps. If you enjoy it, then, or enjoyed it, excuse me, then please write a review on iTunes. That helps boost the episode, boost the podcast so other people who might enjoy it like you can find it. If you know somebody in your life who is playing small, send this to them, forward this to them, share it with them. Maybe it'll resonate with them. We can only hope. And if this struck enough of a chord that you want to stop playing small, but you have no idea where to start, maybe a place for you to start would be through one-on-one coaching. I offer one-on-one coaching. You can reach out to me through Rosanna at breakinglabelspodcast.com. I have a questionnaire that you can fill out. And if not me, then listen to a few of our episodes. We have some amazing guests who've been on this podcast who are also coaches. Doesn't have to be me, but I do recommend if you're going through this, if you're not sure where to start, if you have this gnawing feeling that maybe there's more, you're just not sure where or how to find what that more is, I highly recommend you find a coach. It is the best investment you could make in yourself. All right. Have a great rest of the week and I'll see you next week.